If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Your Book, the podcast for literary nosy parkers. I'm Daisy Buchanan, your host and the author of The Sisterhood, A Love Letter to the Women Who Shaped Me. Also, our very own producer Dale has a brilliant brand new book now available for pre-order. That's Painfully British Haikus by Dale Shaw, published by Michael Joseph and out on November the 14th. It's an extremely funny, poetic exploration of our defining and forgotten national characteristic, grumpy awkwardness. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're looking for ways to support the work, buying our books is the very best way to do that. This week, our guest is the writer, illustrator and feminist sex superstar. Is that a thing? It is now. Flo Perry. Flo is the author of How to Have Feminist Sex, a brilliant new book covering everything from consent to exploring kink and having a happy, shame-free sex life. We went over to hers and talked about art, ABBA, dragons and trying to read Fifty Shades when you share a Kindle account with your mum. Just for reference, Flo's mum is Philippa Perry, who was our guest in an earlier series. I'm going to start, I'm going to start with Sex at Dawn. Okay. Is this your book? Yeah, yeah, that's my Excellent. book. Excellent. So, this is by... Are we recording? It's still happening. Okay. Sorry, we haven't seen you, sorry. Uh, Christopher Ryan and um, Casilda Jitter. How we mate, why we stray and what it means for modern relationships. This looks great. So, when did you read this? I read that uh, for research for my own book, How to Have Feminist Sex. It's like one of the bibles of sex really and it's all about being non-monogamous i've just opened it up at the page it says sometimes a penis is just a penis <laughs> and then there's a quote from uh, michelle montagne it's like on the penis his presumably <laughs> uh, so was there anything in this book that surprised you is there anything that you didn't know yeah like absolutely loads i, I didn't know any of it it's real scientific study it's about how in the past in like prehistory uh, we probably weren't monogamous and how monogamy is a relatively modern concept and about like it's a lot of studies of um, tribal cultures and how they're not monogamous and how like marriage isn't this thing that is integral to human life that some people believe it to be basically so do you think that we are we're moving away from monogamy having rushed towards it do you <laughs> think we're this is a post-monogamous time I think that it's an option on the table for people now in a way that it didn't used to be. Mm. And I think it's a useful thing. Like someone nowadays maybe thinks like, okay, am I straight? You can also say, okay, do I want to be monogamous? Is this a lifestyle for me that I want to do right now? And rather than like have a boyfriend or not have a boyfriend, it's good to know there are like lots of in-betweeny stages yeah. and you can have more than one boyfriend or you can have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And these are all options and lifestyles that work for people I think that's a good thing to have in mind whether that's for you or not I mean, what I really loved about your book was at its core this sort of idea like ultimately there really are no no rules and there are so many things we assume and even in the way we phrase those questions kind of are you this are we that that it's it's just about that you know dissolving this idea that we have to think about everything in a binary way yeah totally I, I just wanted to like give people choice I wanted to give people more options to what their sex life should look like other than like the Cinderella fairy tale. So was it something that you wrote because you're like, well, this is what I want to read and I want it to exist? Um, yeah, basically. I mean, it's like, I'm really interested in sex. I think it's like the most fun thing to talk about. And so obviously I, I, I liked having every day writing about it. That was fun. <laughs> it was... Love your job. Yeah, exactly. And so it was a dream come true to get that, to get the book deal and do the work. And I hope that other people learn as much as I did writing it, really. 
Can you remember the first book where you encountered sex and sort of had a strong reaction to it? I remember reading Sugar Rush on... Oh, is that Julie Birchall? Yeah, on holiday with my parents when I was like 14 and thinking like, wow, this is not appropriate for poolside. <laughs> I mean, it's really not that spicy, but I can definitely... That was like also like one of the first pieces of like... Uh, gay media that I consumed and yeah that was that was definitely enjoyable. <laughs> How did that come into your hands and life? Did you know much about it going in or did you think oh this is kind of a this looks like a fun read about teens and then? <laughs> um, I actually can't remember I'm pretty sure someone bought it for me it might have even been my mum <laughs> but like yeah I don't know I, I wasn't like out or anything um, so it was if she did buy it for me it was pretty I don't know perceptive. <laughs> If you don't mind me asking, what was that like to kind of, to meet? If that, was that like one of the first sort of queer characters that you met in a book? Did you feel seen? Was it exciting? Was it scary? Where had you, was there other kind of like queer literature that you'd encountered before? There's definitely, I don't think I'd ever read a gay book before. Um, yeah, it was fun and exciting and scandalous. And like, I remember being very into the book. <laughs> so yeah, it was great. <laughs> I remember reading um, the Tales of the City books when I was a teenager and just finding one and being absolutely hooked. And it was really just that being, I'd I'd never met those characters before and I fell in love with all of them. And it was such a sort of, you know, it was like so many love stories and realised, and again, it's, I think, as you know, what you were saying about that it's not, you know, this person with this person. It was almost sort of like polyphonic, the love and the connection and the way sort of unions are arise and then are dissolved but being giddy with that world in San Francisco as well I see loads of travel books here um, we have Costa Rica Mexico the world, world travellers guide to the planet but yeah I've been to both Costa Rica and Mexico are mine and you've been to both of them I've been to both uh, of them. when did you go uh, I went to Costa Rica about th- four years ago and Mexico last year oh so um, how long were you there for uh, both just like a holiday amount of time, <laughs> like two weeks. I don't really do traveling. I just do holidays. <laughs> I, sometimes I think traveling's not very relaxing. Like yeah. you get there and then you have to go somewhere again. You're like, no, I've just, I've no, just got here. I don't do anything that involves a large backpack. Have you? Would you ever do any travel writing or think about writing something set in a particular place? Or are there any books set in places that you've really responded to? I mean, I would do travel writing if someone gave me a free holiday. <laughs> I swear that every single person would. Um, but uh, I mean, If anyone is listening to this, yeah, exactly. I think, you know, Put PRs, come on. Yes, I think sometimes you have to ask the universe and it will provide. Um, but, like, writing-wise, I can't imagine writing something that wasn't set in London, really. Just because I am, like, I've lived in London for, like, 95% of my life and feel extremely London. And don't really know what it's like to live anywhere else. Which writers do you think kind of nail London? Are there any books you've read where you've just really felt and kind of recognised the London that you live in? I really like uh, J.K. Rowling's descriptions of London in her Robert Galbraith novels. Um, and she talks a lot about places that I know. And it's always fun when you're reading a book and you recognise mm. places. I've also read, like, this is like, I mean, I don't believe in, like, trashy writing or whatever. <laughs> I believe that all culture is equal. I read all of the Rivers of London series. Oh, I don't know that series. <laughs> it's like about a zombie policeman set in London. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so uh, the policeman set... isn't a zombie, he looks for zombies. Is it a dystopian um, feature? No, 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 so it's very it's much set it. now. But, um, yeah, he also writes brilliantly about London. <laughs> I mean, the book, yeah, you know, there's some other pitfalls for them, but um, I, I, I read all of them, so I must have enjoyed them. <laughs> Do you find that when you're in a book, you're in it, are you a, a compulsive reader? Uh, I'm very much a, a reader for joy, and I have no problem with abandoning a book either. Uh. I think uh, I did a science degree, which is unusual in this world, and I actually am grateful for that for not many things, but for one thing is that... I don't think I ever got that thing of guilt. I never got that feeling that, oh, I should be reading something else. Reading should be improving me. I always read for fun. So I have like a Kindle library full of like absolute murder mystery trash. Oh, can we see your Kindle? Have you got it handy? Um, I love as well how, because I've not got a Kindle. I've got a Kindle app on my phone, which is terrible, but I use it. But I love how how compact they are. I'm I'm an absolute convert. So portable. 
And um, great when you go travelling. This is half because... of this is my mum's because we share. Oh, so can you see kind of how far along she is? Do you have similar reading taste? Uh, yeah, quite similar. She reads way more than I do. That was fun. Oh, so that's my sister, the serial killer. Yeah. Um, I can't read the author's name, um, but I know that book's huge. It's been ever. It was a Bailey's Prize nomination, wasn't it? Is that? Um... It's very short. Oh, is it short? It's really short. You can read it in like two days. Oh, love a short. I love book. a quick read. So that's quite fun. Oh, I, I absolutely, I'm a huge Sally Rooney fan, like oh. everyone else. <laughs> so you've read Normal People. I've read um, both of them. And which do you prefer? I preferred Normal People. Rather than Conversations with Friends. Do you, which one did you read first? Normal People. Um, yeah, I was actually, yeah, I was really, really looking forward to Conversations with Friends because I read Normal People and loved it so much. And I was like, saved it for a holiday and everything. But um, for me, I didn't love the characters. That's the thing, like, for novels that I really need to be able to do, I need to like, and for TV as well, like the characters. If they're like not someone I don't want to be friends with, then I'm not that, I don't care enough. You're spending so much time with them, aren't yeah, you? It's a real relationship. Yeah. Um, did you like Sarah Pascoe's book? Yeah, I really like Sarah Pascoe's book. <laughs> I love Sarah Pascoe. And yeah, like, I think oh, she's oh, great. Um, that's Animal's the latest one. Is no, it? That's oh, the no, that's the first one. one. I haven't one. read her second one yet. So as a scientist, what did you think of Animal? Was that, did that fit with your kind of, your inquiring mind? I actually read Animal and then I read Sex at Dawn because basically Sex at Dawn inspired Sarah to write oh, Animal. Oh, I didn't know that. Animal is like a book probably that covers... There's not many books that cover the topics that my book cover, and Animal is one of them that like does overlap quite a lot. And I thought she did a brilliant job of kind of weaving in these quite feminist theories about mm. being sex positive and also telling her own story in such like an open, frank, and funny way. I, it's tricky, isn't it? Because on the one hand, I do think that there's a real expectation on women that men don't have so much, where it's like you have to offer up bits of you for public consumption. Mm. But on the other more than anything else, I love personal writing, memoirs and stories. I love stories from people's lives. I love Again, it's that what you were saying about enjoying being with someone and getting to know them. And especially when that person is a, a comedian and a brilliant storyteller. You know, you want, you know, I'm such a fan of Sarah Pascal. I want to know all about you in a way that's probably borderline creepy. <laughs> yeah, I think that personal stories, I think it is true that women get asked to exploit their own personal experiences more than men mm. but at the same time I think nothing actually persuades an audience more than personal stories yeah. and nothing entertains more I do feel as though among women you know when the chorus of voices comes together I think we all sort of really draw strength from each other when you know that sort of that happened to me also yeah totally I, yeah that's very important to see your story reflected mm. in the media basically Something you said in a, I think it was in the Sunday Times magazine interview that really, really, really made me laugh about having parents who are very sort of, I suppose, open about their lives, but mainly, you know, they're not afraid to sort of shy away from all kinds of subjects. But you said, you know, I like thinking about my parents having sex about as much as anyone else, which... Yeah, I don't like doing it at all. No, of course. There's no matter how sort of easygoing and open and sex positive anyone, they're still... Basic human boundaries, yeah. (laughs) What else? Um, Oh, I've read all of the superpowered books. Oh, I don't know those. Tell me about those. (laughs) Superpowers. So they are, it was originally, this is like absolute peak, like my taste trashiness. No offence to the guy who wrote superpowers. Um, I think you're a genius. Um, Yeah, they're so long. They're a web web series originally. And you know how Kindle tells you how many hours each book Mm. takes? And most books take about six hours. Each one of his books takes 24 hours to read. Wow. And I've read four of them. That's so four whole days of my life I've had in this universe. It took me four months of, like, complete solid reading. Uh, and it's about, like, a, a superhero university, and I absolutely got completely addicted to it, and I loved it. Amazing. Well, as you say, you're, I think the fact that you have spent that much time with that guy, that is a testament to his <laughs> genius, that you would have not, you know, kept going if you were not fully engaged. <laughs> I've not read The Mars Room. Did you I read really that? like that. Yeah, I really like The Mars Room. I don't really know what it's about. I just know that it's supposed to be. Was that that was on the that Booker shortlist or the yeah, last shortlist year two I years looked ago. at the Booker shortlist and read everything that kind of caught my eye. And yeah, the, my Mars Room was actually the favourite of the things I read. It was basically just one woman's story of how she ended up in prison, um, and like kind of, and then it kind of flashed back to how she got there, and then her current life in prison. It was like flashing back and forwards. But yeah, it was. I thought it was really great. Do you ever reread anything or do you? Absolutely never. 
I'm like, I've never reread a book. And I also am really guilty of forgetting absolutely everything I've read. I do think, though, that sometimes all you can really remember is the way you felt when you were reading it. It's really... Because it's a lot of information, especially when you've got books are 24 hours of reading time <laughs> the only thing i actually have reread is uh the essential dykes to watch out for by alison bechdel who is like my absolute idol Ooh, the essential dykes to watch out for by alison bechdel if i my live like i went on desert island discs <laughs> this would be like my essential book i think i absolutely love it i think it's both hilarious and a reflection of a culture that doesn't get reflected very much in the media and like as a as a queer woman, I think it's 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 nice to see our in jokes in print. Do you have a favourite page or story in here? No, it's all like it's like continuous narrative, all of it. So it's like even though it's like done page by page by page in like a weekly that could be like in a weekly magazine, there's like the stories weaving and out. I can't like remember specific ones. Because, I mean, another thing that I really loved about your book is it does sort of have that kind of a factual book, but it's got a real kind of graphic novel feel. Would you, or have you been writing sort of fiction that's got... Um, it's that's like a, it's a dream of mine to write a graphic novel, and I will do it one day. <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of them. I love how you can say things without, not in words, basically, through a graphic novel. Because I was just thinking about, like, the economy of it. You know, you can't, like describe a tree for three pages you've really got to get to the point no but you can just draw it <laughs> so it's like it's, it's, it's what do you easier. mean yeah, the leaves are rustling in the gentle winter wind. like <laughs> the tree you yeah. can see the tree which other graphic novels do you love uh, i'm a huge posy simmons fan oh is that uh tomorrow drew yeah and stuff like that i don't have much of them here because most of them are my mum's that like i borrowed growing up but i really love I, I, she writes about London brilliantly and kind of captures English middle classness and like writes about her own both what they have in common both Alison Bechdel and Posey Simmons I think is they write about their own world but mm. they laugh at it and that's something that I would love to recreate and I think is it's laughing at yourself mm. is basically like the funniest and nicest thing you can do I think and invite other people to laugh at it you with like yourself with it's just nice. It's well, like it's, inclusive. Uh, it's Nora Ephron, isn't it? It's having that control over the joke. And when, you know, funny things happen and you present them, it's like it's life is handing you a story. And yeah. so you've got control over how that's perceived. And you can kind of... Because um, I think, it's, you know, you're never... If you're laughing at yourself, you're never punching down, are you? Yeah, as exactly. long as you are doing it from a place of security. Yeah, and I think Posey Simmons loves living in middle-class Islington, and I think Alison Bechdel loves being a dyke, and you can you get that sense both from both of them, but at the same time they're taking the piss out of their worlds, and I just love it. So did you discover graphic novels uh, from reading your mums, and was it Posey Simmons who was sort of the first, or were you always kind of intrigued by like, cartoons and... Yeah, I, yeah, I like. I grew up reading Asterix and Obelix, and then Posey Simmons, and then I remember reading like Mouse when I was like fourteen, and then I've always bought and read graphic novels where I can. Cool. I'm gonna see what else I can find on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. There's. Have you read um, the book you wish your parents had read? Yes. Yeah. I have, yeah. And did you read it kind of as it was being written, or did you wait until? No, I read an early draft. How much influence did you have? Over I, it. I'm the baby. Obviously, I had the most influence of anyone ever. <laughs> 27 years of influence. So many people have responded to that. And I think it's interesting that we think about parenting. And there's so much conversation about parenting and it's sort of fetishised and idealised and how it's done. No one really talks about how to be an adult child. And I think that book is really interesting on that subject, that you've got to kind of have a relationship with the people who sort of... Who, brought you into the world comes up so rarely in novels but I think it's such a rich area have you read Trick Mirror? I'm halfway through it I'm not going to say I've officially abandoned it yet (laughs) (laughs) I'm sort of desperate to read this and it's one of those things that's kind of not been in my pile did you read the essay that was published in The Guardian? yes yeah I read the essay and I was like oh my god this is amazing I must read that book and some of the other essays are good she has a really fun one about the relationship between taking ecstasy and religious experience, which was fun. I have a theory about with ayahuasca and how it, you know, transforms. Have you ever, or the, you know, the... I've never taken ayahuasca, no. (laughs) Neither have I, but I have had really bad food poisoning. (laughs) 
And after that, I've been like, I, I can understand why you feel as though like your life is going to be different from now on. This has been a transformative experience. <laughs> I think it's, I don't need to go to the rainforest. I can just. I think if everyone tells you that something should feel a certain way, then maybe you feel like it. That's the reason why. <laughs> I, I suppose that's that comes back to ecstasy and religion. Yes, totally. Ecstasy with this big and a small e. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely amazing. That is awesome. Did you read like H is for Hawk or No, any I've never read nature? any kind of naturey book. But I watch loads of naturey TV. But Big Blue Planet fan. Sort of, um, Big Spring Watch fan. Ah, oh, Spring Watch, yes. <laughs> Because whenever they go, you sort of think, oh, it'd be really fun to be there with um, with Chris and Michaela, you know, in a little love tent. Chris. I love him so much. <laughs> if they never need a third person, I'd he pop is, for Spring Watch. He is punk Attenborough, isn't he, I think? I think he's the best. I really, really like him. I'd actually, I'd read his book. Maybe I should do that. I'll put it on my to-read list. <laughs> what is his book? Do you, is it here? I think it's yeah. like a memoir, nature memoir. No, I don't have it. I want to read it. <laughs> that's what I'm going to read next. There's your nature book. Is there any more in the Kindle? Yeah, sure. I love that we can sit down. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice. Uh, yeah, so I read Snap from the book of shortlist just because I was amazed there was a murder mystery on it. So I read that. Oh, that's another murder mystery. Oh, so oh, you've got a few of Rivers Ben of London Aronovich. Ah, that's the... So we've got Whispers Underground, Moon Over Soho and Rivers of London. So this is the zombie policeman. Basically, yeah. And then um, I got really into reading about Mormon killers for a while. Oh, like true crime? Or... Yeah, I got into true crime. Where are the... I... Tell me about the Mormon killers. That's it. I read Do like those things go together? page book about all the times that, like, murder in Mormonism. It was, it was long. <laughs> what did I read? I read one true crime novel that I really liked and I got sucked. I can't remember what it is now. It must be on here somewhere. Is there something about Mormonism where sort of sociologically? I am a... just quite interested in um, basically weird religions and cults of which Mormonism is basically one. Oh, did you read The Circle? Oh, I absolutely loved The Circle. It's, that's a really kind of immersive, but I remember kind of picking it up. In fact, I think I was killing time in Waterstones, I can hear you waiting for producer Dale. <laughs> so I looked up, it's about 50 pages in, thought, I should probably buy this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, as someone who's worked in one of those companies, uh, it was really funny. <laughs> it was very much like, yep, recognise this, yep, recognise this. The like cool CEO who wears the hoodie, who's like, actually just like all the other CEOs underneath it was... And that really you know, we have all this fabulous entertainment for you and snacks and provisions and the campus, but you can never leave. Yeah, 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 exactly that. Like, oh, wow, you get free lunch. And that just means you don't get a lunch break. All, yeah, it all, it all really rung a bell. No, I loved working at BuzzFeed, but um, there was definitely... When, when I read The Circle, I like texted all of my BuzzFeed friends, like, have you read this? You have to read this right away. I did. I had a pal who worked at Twitter, and I think I was under the, you know, pretext as being a work thing, and it was not a work thing. I went there for lunch and I was like oh my God, so pouring nice. like, been bars in my yeah. bag. Yeah, it's like, they had mint arrows, which is my favourite chocolate bar at Twitter. Oh, it reminds me of Broad <laughs> City with Alana pumping the Kiehl's moisturiser into carrier bag when she's at the gym. Is there anything that either your mum has said, oh my God, you have to read this, you'll love it, and you'll be like, no, thank you, or vice versa, where you've recommended something. If yeah, we do. Our, our tastes overlap. I mean, obviously, we share a Kindle library. We both like like murder mysteries, but I tend to go for slightly more plotty fantasy things, and she tends to go slightly more like relationshipy than uh, I do. So, what was the last thing that you thought she'd love that she didn't love, or or do you just kind of are you quite gentle with each other in terms of recommending uh, things? I think I recommended them? the Mars Room to her, and she was like, "Nah." She doesn't really like anything that's set in a world that she hasn't experienced. Like no dystopias. <laughs> no dystopias. Like, no. She can, like, murder mystery in Sweden, she can just about manage. <laughs> and, like, she loves, like, period drama. Uh, like, I can imagine olden days in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's as far as it goes. I've seen a few cookery books now. There's Ruby Tando. I loved her. But Eat? Eat I've really liked it because... She was just so sensible about, it's not just saying, oh, just have all the Mars bars, but also it was just a real, real appreciation of food. She talks about Nigel Slater and about <laughs> how much she loves him. And it's that kind of a real, you know, relish of things. She's really good on how things can nourish you in a broccoli way or things can nourish you in a flake way. Yeah, I love that attitude towards food. And I, I totally share that. I've seen a few books here. There's um, the Ultimate Student Cookbook, uh, One Pound Meals. Do you cook much? Is that something that you like doing? Or uh, yeah, I cook yours? most days. The One Pound Meal one is mine. That's one of those books I bought off Instagram in the middle of the night and I've never made anything from. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, this looks great. But actually, I'm not actually, a, like, I, I'm not a very recipe person. I tend to just cook from like whatever is still in the fridge. 
But I have cooked some things from Flavor Ruby Tando. Ah, so that's the one in here. I did buy it after I got the Kindle sample. <laughs> oh, so it's the, the real one is on the shelf. What did you cook? Can you really, um, do you have any She has a really nice Ghanaian curry. I haven't made nages actually, but that's really nice. Oh, um, I suppose it's quite a wintry, autumnal dish, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically like a curry oh, full of food. peanut butter, which Ooh. I really like the idea of. And really, it's really tasty. And she makes a really great uh, chocolate and like salted pretzel pie. Oh, that sounds amazing. It's basically like a pretzel Snickers. I have often thought in the entirely unlikely event that anybody wanted me to write a cookbook which will never happen it would be like a thousand and one things to do with peanut butter <laughs> yeah I love peanut butter sweet and savoury oh shrill Lindy West did you I read that I loved shrill yeah I absolutely loved it because that she's another I suppose a little bit like Gia Tolentino so much of that was sort of you know online and it's interesting I think the way that reading like a very widely shared article feels like a very different experience from reading something in a book and being with that person yeah, for that long. It's true. I did I absolutely love Shrill and like I would highly recommend it, but I did think I got maybe 60% of Shrill from listening to the This American Life podcast ah. episode based on it, which is why I bought Shrill, but I also think... like that podcast episode is the real yeah. piece of art that's amazing maybe. I think I had the same experience. <laughs> and it was a bit like, um, I was just talking about To Kill a Mockingbird. They were talking about how they didn't read To Kill a Mockingbird mm. when, you know, there was sort of a, an angsty teenager. But they read it when um, Ghost at a Watchman came out. Mm. And because they loved To Kill a Mockingbird so much, they were really delighted to have like another go back into that world. Yeah. It's, it's almost like kind of behind the scenes documentary. And... You know, I think that's the trouble, isn't it? When you get the gist of something and then, you know, you sort of, you get the extras, you know, how many extras do I really need or want here? <laughs> yeah, it's true. When to, when to stop is a, a tricky thing. So much here. It's like 41 pages of books. Oh, yeah, I've had a Kindle for ages. Like I got, I used to have one with the ones with the like button. Ah, the, so, I've yeah, seen Mr. Loverman all, by Bernadine Everisto, the booker winner, who, and actually it was your mum who gave me the proof of um, Girl, Woman, Other. And I was going around saying, this is the best book I've read all year. <laughs> and it won, which I've never called anything before. So Yeah, um, so uh, yeah I want to read that, actually, because my mum keeps going on about how it really was the best. I thought that, and the thing I keep coming back to, is um, there's a, a trans character, and at a time when the conversation around that is so angry and shouty and polarising, I felt, as a, a cis woman... Um, it was like just one of the most sort of nuanced and sort of gently explorative, is that a word, explorative, exploring? I just, I, I felt as though it was really kind of openly and generously and sensitively handled. And because the character is sort of, part of it is them discovering how they feel about gender and it not being something they kind of identify with. But while they're working out who they really are and who they feel like, they're sort of online getting guidance in sort of chat rooms and making all the mistakes. And they've got someone saying like, no, you can't talk in the gender binary. And then they're sort of, you know, it's a real, I think it's sort of celebration of learning and discovery. I and... really want to read that. I want to read that like now. <laughs> I, I, really th- I think it's like, it's the best way to, it's a really good way to, to understand someone is mm. to read a, a, a good character. Or, mm. like, it's a great way to understand a minority that you're not part of is to read a book where, one of the characters is part of that minority. It's it's so skillful the way she weaves them together and everyone's story is interlinked and it makes you kind of care so much about them. But I think a lesser writer would have just really gone for that gimmick, like, oh, look how all that and all the coincidences. But mm. the women are just, and the people are so fully, fully realised. Yeah. And even down to there's a, there's a racist character, <laughs> but she sort of ends up being someone that you can sort of understand and sympathise with and kind of coming good, but not in a, like, a Disney, like, and she's stop being racist, and it's <laughs> fine. It's just really thoughtful that and kind brilliant. of optimistic and hopeful. And such, just such a pacey writer as well. <laughs> I, I think if I hadn't picked it up, I might have been like, oh, this looks like it might be a bit intense and complicated. But I was just kind of, you know, head down, couldn't stop. Brilliant. I'll definitely read that. Well, this is, I went through a, a non-fiction your non-fiction phase your self-confident <laughs> baby is name. not mine 
best book name I've ever had. It looks like a sort of... That's definitely my mum's. I don't know. That that looks like a meme. <laughs> Self-confident baby. Oh, what was 438 days? That Actually, that is something intense. that I recommend to my mum and she loved. Um, I never heard anyone talk about this book, but it's about... Um, but we both absolutely loved it. It's about... It's a true story of the guy who spent the longest adrift at sea solo by accident ever. And it is 438 days. He was a fisherman who got caught in a big storm. The power on his boat went out. He got pushed out to sea. And he went from Mexico all the way across the Pacific Ocean and landed in, like, one of the islands off Australia 438 days later. And it's about how he survived in his journey. Was he completely by himself that whole time? He had a mate for spoilers. He had a mate for, like, the first three weeks, but the mate couldn't hack it and died. Oh! Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. How did he stay sane? Did he? He kind of did, yeah. It's basically, yeah, about how he stayed sane. And he's like, this man has just such a strong survival instinct. And it also gives you a backstory in his life before. Uh, and he's just like a very quite ordinary fisherman, but with like, you know, the same kind of troubles of divorce and relationships and family arguments that like anyone has. Um, but yeah, he was just, had like just enough skills to survive and was quite good at putting up with suffering. Do you feel like you learned anything about resilience? I feel like now I know how to catch and eat a seagull. Wow. (laughs) Because basically that's all he did. (laughs) On the one hand, you love the birds, you love nature, you love admiring the majesty. On the other hand, you'd eat them if you had to. Yeah, definitely eat a seagull. I mean, if I had to, I eat chickens every day. (laughs) (laughs) Escape from camp, a similar sort of... Escape from camp Camp 14, that's like a North Korea... Ah. biographies that's obviously incredibly depressing uh wild everyone's read that (laughs) i do love cheryl Strait. actually she's someone that i was quite sneery about and then came to you later that oh yes everybody was right about her and i was wrong i think that sort of you don't know my feelings, Cheryl Strait. you don't know my emotions no you do actually don't you (laughs) do you read like Agony Art Pages, or, you know, things like sort of Dear Sugar and... Um... Um, I am a huge fan of Dan Savage. <gasps> He's a genius. Yeah, um, I'm a big listener of the Savage Love cast. I basically listen to his book while drawing my book all of the time, because <laughs> it's, like, relevant. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I feel like I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of his problems and answers. But, yeah, he just gives, I think, the best advice on sex. And even when he doesn't give the best advice, he's really good at learning. And, like, Mm. his listeners ring in and, like, he has such a big listenership that they're like, no, you're wrong. And he's like, maybe I was wrong. And I think that's also a great message for us all to... Yes. In this cancel culture, I think it's good Mm. to have... Basically, know that people can learn and that people can make mistakes. And it doesn't make someone a bad person if they make one mistake or do one thing you disagree with. It's so true that, and it's. I think it really kills creativity, doesn't it? If everyone's just going to be terrified, they're going to kind of mess up all the time. They'll just be nothing. Yeah, I am terrified of getting cancelled. Now I've written a book with like feminist on big letters in the front. I'm like, oh my god, shit! <laughs> I'm like, can't, every time I'm like, you know, am I going to get cancelled for shaving my legs? Like, what? Else? You know, there's like so many things to be cancelled for now. I had like nightmares that something weird would have happened, and like the printing and proofing and like there might be a big page in the middle of mine that said like i hate the french and i just missed it (laughs) totally yeah i don't hate the french i think they're great (laughs) great bunch of lads uh i got on the train i absolutely loved did you read that when the hype was at its its strongest yeah probably i always read books when the hype is the strongest i'm a big were your expectations high or were you well no because i've read i would i would estimate i've read 20 books that started the girl Yeah, of varying quality, or had like girl in the title in some kind of murdered situation, and that's probably the best one of them all <laughs> of that particular niche. Well, you know, it did all right, didn't it? I think it was quite popular. The kind of train. <laughs> yeah, uh, none of these are mine. Joe Nesbo's are probably all mine, but I honestly cannot remember. All of the Game of Thrones is mine. Uh, do you read the books and watch the series, or do you focus on the books? Uh, I read the books first. I have I have watched the series, but I much prefer the books. I mean, it's just a year of my life, though, isn't it? Like, it took me... <laughs> if the superpowers took me four months, Game of Thrones took me a year to read. <laughs> it's like, well, it's a year of the other books I could have read. <laughs> 
didn't need to watch and read it. Like, really, maybe I should have diversified my culture slightly we, more. Has he finished them? Or are we no. waiting for his last one? I think there's maybe even two more. Wow. But I don't think I, I will be reading them. I can't. I can't be in that world anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. So what, what happened when you read the last one? Well, I read them all back mm. to back and I was like, yes, brilliant. Love it. More, more. And now I'm like, no. A bit like quitting sugar. Well, I've never done that, so Ooh. I would not know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of like, or the opposite of that, I suppose. I, I'm when a you big person kind of for phases. Though. Frenzy. I love then. a phase hobby. Ooh, what do you think your next phase is going to be? Oh, great question. Um, I'm really trying to get back into knitting, but it's not working. I don't know. What my, it's hard to predict what my next bird watching was definitely a small phase of mine. I keep these things in my life. I can still knit. Uh, I can still do watercolours. I can still... But yeah, I definitely go through like periods of... Are these your watercolours here? Uh, this, oh. is, this is my painting. This is the only one I did here. My other housemate uh, didn't come on a weekend away, we did. And uh, we all painted the picture of him. <laughs> As some like extremely wholesome prank. <laughs> all of these weird portraits. So did you just leave oh. them around for him to find? We actually hung of... them all in his room originally. Gosh, there's a, such a mix here. Michael Frayne, ton of French. Very glam picture of them. Gone Girl, that's another girl uh, book I've read. Did you like The Girl on the Train more or less than Gone Girl? Uh, more. I like Girl on the Train better. The Marriage Plot, I also abandoned that. I loved his other one. I loved The Virgin Suicide. I loved The Virgin Suicide and the other one, Middlesex. Um, I always get Middlesex confused by it with... Another book. Middle of March? With Middle March. <laughs> Whenever people are like, I'm reading Middle March, it's terrible. I'm like, I read that, I loved it. But no, I loved Middle Sex. <laughs> um, yeah, Middle Sex and the Virgin Suicide, I absolutely loved. I think they were both pre Kindle. Lost them in many house moves. But uh, the marriage plot was a bit tricky for me. Oh, did you read Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Yes, I did. I absolutely loved it. I loved that book. But yeah, I remember really, I really like the way it's done with um, narrative, email, text. It's kind of like mixed media, I want to say, mm. from an art point of view, but, but in like book form. And I really enjoyed that. The way you get like lots of different mm. ways of telling the story. And I love those emails, you know, with the, the personal assistant. You kind of, you know, something's going awry. And those, e they're... A lot of the back and forth, some of it is quite boring, or rather, not but the details are very um, dry in places, but it's still... It's like search through yes. the plot, but it's still very, it's like, but I it's have really no satisfying. patience with books, so it was definitely like gripping enough to keep my interest. Ooh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Have you read it? I've read, that's another book I gave up on, this real theme. <laughs> So what was the scene? Do you remember the bit of Fifty Shades where you're like, right, no, I'm should, done. Why well, I be able to click on it and it will, and I have to download Unless your mum's been reading it. Unless my mum's been secretly reading it. Will it will remember where I am? I don't know. No, it starts from the beginning, unfortunately. Oh, because it's from they're all there. Oh, the no. The previous um, Kindle that wasn't this one. So, so have you sort of successfully erased it from your mind? Yeah, basically. I feel like... Anyone writing a book about sex, you sort of have to read Fifty Shades just to know what not to you, do. Yeah, you should at least have... I don't know not what not to do. I don't want to be like... I feel like E.L. James obviously tapped into like a lot of female sexuality that wasn't tapped into yeah. before. There's a reason she was so popular. That's something I really believe, like... I think any culture that is popular, mm. you can't ignore. Yeah, you, Anything that's been really popular has something mm. you can learn from. And even though Fifty Shades of Grey wasn't for me personally, mm. for a lot of women, I think it's the first thing they ever really read mm. where like, yeah, it, it is the female gaze. Mm. Even though it's like kind of sexist and like paints quite a bad picture of BDSM practices. It's, yeah, it's, it's a female-focused fantasy. It's a fantasy that a lot of women have. I think about that a lot, that, oh, this is problematic, and yet millions and millions and millions of people responded to it mm. in some way. And how... Again, I suppose what you're saying about cancel culture, I guess, that you can't learn anything interesting if you just shut things down. Yeah, that's so true. And I think, yeah, I think the interesting thing to learn about Fifty Shades of Grey is that there is demand for basically things for women to masturbate to um and you can make money out of it <laughs> um That's yeah what we like yeah 
Um, not that my book is very porny. Um, <laughs> though if you want to masturbate, you to should it, still buy it. Yeah. Though <laughs> if you want to masturbate to it, then go for you. Um, I'm open to anything. I do. Th- I mean, you know, your fabulous book aside, and I know. Did you read Three Women? No, I didn't. What's that? It's the stories of three different women, and it's. It's almost like reading something like In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. It's oh, yeah, she's a journalist. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's that kind of very almost like you know documentary style yeah. storytelling. But it's really all about female desire and yearning and how it gets shut down. Some people have said it's the bleakest thing they've ever read, and they feel like it was supposed to be sexy. But um, oh my god, I really want to read this as well. It sounds I think great. it's really interesting. I think you'd be, you know, I basically love reading about really... other people's sex lives, so I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> Have you read any good sort of sexy memoirs like that? Or I'm trying to think what there are, and I really like the the Belle de Jour books. I thought they were great, although I'm not sure how they stand up in 2019. I've not read them for a while. Was that turned into a television series yes. with Billy Piper in it? Uh, yeah, I watched the TV series, which I also loved, but um, <laughs> haven't seen since I was like 16. <laughs> uh, it was a tricky, and it's, God, it's a really, really, really complicated conversation about sex work. And mm. I feel very differently about it now than I did when I watched it, because, you know, she's so beautiful and it all looks so fantastic and glamorous. And like, who wouldn't want to do this as their job? Which I, I think there are, there are issues there. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, I think that lots of sex workers do like their jobs and are really happy. And the main narrative you see in the media is of them getting murdered in CSI. You know, I love CSI. But it's nice to have another... You need both sides of every story, basically. And maybe Belle de Jour was a very idealistic Mm. view. But lots lots of other books are idealistic about other things. And we're not like... You're glamorizing marriage. It's never that easy, <laughs> Cinderella, you know. Glamorized dragons don't yeah. even exist. Exactly. That is a really, really good point. And I suppose that she does have a voice and autonomy and you know, she's not tragic or marginalised. Oh, did you read The Hunger Games? Yeah, absolutely loved The Hunger Games. Can't wait for the new one. <laughs> I love those books. And I some... read all three in three days. That's intense. Much better than Game of Thrones, which took me a year. <laughs> Was that when they came out? Yeah. Because I used to uh, work for a magazine where I was like, it was a teen mag and I edited the books page. And I just remember how huge those books were. And it's like Twilight left me cold, but I was like, oh yes, this is for me. Yeah, Twilight I also didn't get on with, but really loved The Hunger Games. That's well, the first the time I remember. Book. I think maybe like, we weren't like near the end of my kindling. So I remember being like, shit, I finished the first one. And then being like, you can download it There's instantly. More. It's amazing. Oh, is that your ABBA annual? Yeah, that's my ABBA annual. <gasps> I love ABBA. I really love, I love ABBA. ABBA. Let's get the ABBA annual. <laughs> uh, the ABBA annual, 1979. Oh, this is fabulous. The picture on the front is ABBA all with a horse. Yeah, my editor for my book actually got this as a present because she found out how much I love ABBA. <laughs> when did you... Fall in love with Abba. When didn't I fall in love with Abba? <laughs> I'm a huge Mamma Mia fan. I'm a huge Mamma Mia Here We Go Again fan. Um, I love Abba and everything about them and every single song they've ever written. <laughs> so, but when did they come into your life? Was it Mamma Mia time or before? Uh, I can't remember Abba ever not being in my life. They're like Their music is like, it's so fun. It's always everywhere. Everyone has always listened to Dancing Queen at every wedding they've ever been to I think I have a very very clear memory of um I think I would have been about four and my dad putting a record on and it'd be like I think you know you'll like this and, like, oh, and it was Vulevu <laughs> and that was where and I was like those are my guys <laughs> and being like a directioner for ABBA yeah but and also being quite surprised and bewildered by the fact that my you know I was going to say my friends at school what friends the kids at school they didn't like ABBA they thought that this was another reason to mock me. Yeah. Bet they like them now. I mean, who who doesn't? What's not? I love that this begins with um, fun facts. So 
This is Abba. Agnetta is an Aries, born on the born on April the fifth, nineteen fifty, and the youngest member of Abba. Her life has always been full of funny incidents. The first being her stage debut at the age of five, when her pants fell down when she was singing. <laughs> this is very much the sort of thing that I'd have to do at Bliss. <laughs> what right these? Things? Tell me an embarrassing thing that happened. Fell off the stage. Can it be something else? <laughs> Bjorn is the oldest member of Abba. He's a Taurus, born on April the twenty fifth, nineteen forty five. Do you have a favourite member and song? Or is that like asking you to pick a favourite child? I don't have a favourite ABBA member. I think you need all four of them to complete the ABBA quadrant. Ab or Bab or Bar. Exactly. Um, My favourite ABBA song is probably The Winner Takes It All. Which is a devastating song. Yeah, a real heart-wrencher. But um, I do love it. I also really like The Night Before You Came. Love a story song. Mm. Basically, I love an ABBA ballad. The best ballads. Did you G the completed crossword? No, when that... I got this book, the crossword was already com- completed. That was what completed. was happening the day before you came to the ABBA annual. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was doing the, the word search and crossword without me. Huge thanks to Flo. Follow her at Flo Perry Draws on Instagram and at Flo Perry on Twitter. And rush out and buy How to Have Feminist Sex. It really is um, life-enhancing. I'm Daisy Buchanan, and I've been your book inspector. Thank you so much for joining me, fellow spinebenders. You can find me on Twitter at NotRollerGirl and on Instagram at the Daisy B. Say hello, suggest some guests, and watch out for shelfies. Visit our show page, acast.com slash booked, for more information about our guests and a list of the books they've talked about. If you've got any other queries about the podcast, you can email us at whybooked at gmail.com. Your Booked is produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and hosted by Acast. Please do subscribe, rate us and leave a review. It's great to hear what you think and it helps other people to find the podcast. And on the subject of reviews, I'm going to leave you with a one-star Amazon review of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Well, first of all, the whole thing is almost all dialogue. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.